Lynn Hiles Ministries presents That You Might Have Life. He said he didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might have life. So Jesus came that we might have life. The Bible said in him was life, the life was the light of men. The more light you have, the more life you're going to have. So you can have peace was on me. That's why it's called the gospel of peace. He took your punishment so you could get his peace. He took what you had coming so you could get what he has coming. All around the country and around the world, people just like you are awakening to the good news of Jesus Christ. What God wanted to do was release the kingdom of God in your life until the joy and the peace and the righteousness of the Holy Ghost would so fill your life. I don't want to just make heaven my home. I want to make my home like heaven. And now, here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us again this week on the program. I trust that you're being blessed by the Word of God that's coming from this ministry. Let me just say to you, thank you once again. We deeply, deeply are grateful to you, our partners, and to our viewing audience uh, for your support of this ministry. It's you that enables us to take the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of His grace around the world, and for that we are forever grateful. We encourage you to tell your friends about us and to watch us on a regular basis because we're we're, we're teaching a series on the book of Revelation right now. And, and let me just say, don't turn us off because you've heard a lot of the fear preached from the book of Revelation. Because I believe what you're going to hear coming from this particular ministry is a view of the book of Revelation uh, that is from the viewpoint of redemption. It's not about coming catastrophes as much as it is about what you've been redeemed from. Now, uh, let me just say that we're not trying to say we're the only ones that have any revelation or uh, understanding on the book of Revelation. We simply are trying to teach you what we believe God spoke to us over the years and years and years of research. And a lot of the, the uh, 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 college credit that I have is based on a lot of the work that I've done on the book of Revelation and by the way, uh, you can order our book on the book of Revelation uh, that will be available on the website if you want to get and follow along because many of the things that we are teaching are out of this book that we have called The Revelation of Jesus Christ and you can get your copy uh, by simply going to our website or, or call the number on the screen. Also, let me just say to you that you can go back into our website at linhouse.com and watch any of the shows that we have aired to date. Uh, I think we are probably about number 10. This is probably about the 10th show we've shot just on the book of Revelation, and we're still only in about the second chapter as we continue to unfold this. I don't know how far we're going to go with it. We're just going to just trust the Spirit of the Lord as we feel like it's time to go on or time not to. But we are really dealing with a series on the seven churches right now, and uh, I believe you'll be blessed by it. But you can go back on our website, and you can watch any of the archive programs. You can also go to YouTube and subscribe to our page there and watch us on YouTube. You can go to iTunes or you can download uh, TBN's app to your iPhone and watch it from anywhere on your smartphone or smart device or on your computer. So there are so many ways to view this program that uh, uh, I believe that if you share that with your friends, share it on your Facebook page, it will it'll, it'll bless people. I want to get back in the Word though today because last week we began to share how that we are comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. We are sharing how that the book of Revelation can be interpreted by using the rest of the Bible. And what we begin to share last week is how the book of Revelation is literally, uh, a, 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 you could take the tabernacle of Moses and the feast of Israel and literally lay them over the book of Revelation 
and kind of see the flow of what's happening here. Because, if we, for instance, we shared last week in the beginning of the book of Revelation, you see a lamb as if it had been slain. That, to me, compares with the Feast of Passover. Uh, then you're going to come into about the fifth and sixth chapters of the book of Revelation, and you're going to find that there is a fig tree that's shaken by a mighty wind. You're going to see a sun darkened, the moon turned into blood. You're going to see uh, people sealed, for instance, in about the seventh chapter. And I could take you back and show you that the sealing of the saints is not just God lining us all up and putting an ink blot uh, on our head, but Ephesians 1 said that after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so that would to me speak of the seal of the Holy Spirit. That, that's the outpouring of the Holy Ghost at the Feast of Pentecost is then seen there. And then what you will see on the heels of the Feast of Pentecost in Israel's economy is you would see what would be next on their agenda in the seventh month following uh, the Feast of Pentecost would be the blowing of trumpets. It would begin in the first day of the seventh month. And uh, that, that first day of the seventh month would be a, a feast of blowing of trumpets. Interestingly enough, in the book of Revelation, what would follow on the heels of what would be the feast of Pentecost would be seven trumpets that are preparing to blow. Uh, these seven trumpets to me are, are a powerful picture of the feast of trumpets because what the trumpet did on the first day of the seventh month, what it would be, it would announce it would announce the great day of atonement. Now that great day of atonement would take place on the tenth day of the seventh month and it would be uh, a, a time when the blood would be shed and atonement was made for the people. Interestingly enough what would follow the blowing of trumpets in the book of Revelation would be seven vials of blood being ready to be poured out. Uh, I think it is interesting that the word for vial is only ever used to describe this chalice that they used on the com communion table. So that it was, it's the blood. Jesus, in other words, can I say it like this? Perhaps some of these plagues and vials that are being poured out are not necessarily what's coming to believers. It's what believers have been redeemed from because of the atoning blood of Jesus. So following the blowing of trumpets would be a great day of atonement. For those who did not receive, uh, uh, you know, the blood of the Lamb, for those who did not apply the blood of the Lamb, then those trumpets and those vows were in fact, I believe, historically poured out on natural apostate Israel in 70 AD. They were the judgments that occurred to that people only because they were part of a covenant bargain of the old covenant and because they rejected their Messiah and they rejected the blood of the Lamb, then God said to them in the Old Testament, He says to them, if you don't put the blood on the doorpost, then all the plagues of Egypt are going to come upon you. And so in the book of Revelation, those plagues that are poured out in the book of Revelation are the same plagues that you see in Egypt that are poured out on the Egyptians who did not apply the blood. And I can say to you that, see, I believe that those things are not just what's in our future. That's what occurred in 70 AD to uh, Israel who did not receive their Messiah. Their great day of the Lord had come and the day of atonement. They did not do what the scripture said and afflict their soul. They did not receive the blood of atonement and reckon and, and get a revelation of what that meant for them. So they received those plagues were poured out, those vials of plague were poured out on them. Those are, that was the day 
of atonement. That's what the Day of Atonement was about, is the pouring out of the blood. Uh, the next thing that would follow in Israel's economy would be the Feast of Tabernacles. I don't think it's an accident that exactly in the chronological order of that feast in the book of Revelation, that the latter part of the book of Revelation will open up and it will say, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And so what I see there is that it's the Feast of Tabernacles, the fulfilling of the Feast of Tabernacles. God moves out of natural buildings and He moves into spiritual houses. I love how the Message Bible declares it. In Revelation 21, it'll say, look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood. He's made His home with men. That's God's intention, is to make His home with men. Let them build me a house so that I can dwell among them. In the last segment I shared with you, we talked about how God's desire was to live with us. If you build in the earth, God told Moses, what I showed you in the heavens, I'll come and live with you. I believe you could also lay over the book of Revelation, the tabernacle of Moses, because the beginning of this starts out with a people who are in an outer court. They are literally, uh, they are in an outer, outer court experience, if, you could, if I could say it like this, because it begins again with the shedding of the blood, and there's a lamb that's slain. Then you could see the next, uh, uh, open, the, the next door that would open would be the second dimension in the tabernacle of Moses. I think it's so powerful. I feel like I'm moving very quickly. For people that understand you, you're probably getting this, but I really feel like I need to break it down just a little bit more. But once you move beyond what was in the first dimension of the tabernacle of Moses, let me say it like this, where the blood was shed, the sacrifice was given, the water of the brazen labor and the this great big basin full of water set in that outer court, that is about what that represents is the blood of Jesus being shed for our sins our identification with that through water baptism. But ladies and gentlemen, there's a second dimension. There is another dimension that opens into another room. And let me say this to you. As you move into that second room of the tabernacle of Moses, this house that God told Moses to build has three rooms in it. I could say it like this. God lives in a three-room house, an outer court, a holy place, and a most holy place. But as the invitation of the Spirit draws you into the second dimension of the tabernacle where the golden candlestick stands and the oil of anointing that flows through the central shaft flows, everything has to flow through the vine to the branches. We know He's the vine and we're the branches. Where the light of that candlestick shines against this wall that is covered with gold, but also the light is cast and falls on a table of showbread, which is the bread of His face. So we know that Jesus is the true bread that came down from heaven. So what the candlestick is designed to do is give revelation to what's on the table, the bread of Jesus' face, the table of showbread. It is to give us a revelation of what uh, Jesus, when He said, this is my body that was broken for you, it's where revelation to the Word comes. It's where the bread is broken. It's where when the Holy Spirit comes, there's another dimension of revelation that flows. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to tell you that this, this book will become new to you. It really will. It'll just, God will open some things. If you're not Spirit-filled, take the step into the next room. 
It's also uh, in this next room you're going to find uh, the golden altar of incense where the altar of incense speaks of the prayer, the praise, and the worship of the saints. The book of Revelation says that they offered up the incense and the incense was the prayers and the praise of the saints. And you can see that in the second dimension of Pentecost is where most of the American church is at. They are in the middle. They, they, they have, they, most of the American church has come to, uh, they've come to the oil of anointing that flows, the gifts of the Spirit that move. They've, they've come to the place where the Word, the Word, the Word, the revelation of the Word has come. And we have seen restored in my generation especially praise and worship. The altar of incense has been restored because it is the praise and worship that usher us on into the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, or takes us more into the Holy of Holies. Let me say it like that. But what I hear the Lord saying as we stand on the threshold of the second dimension, we've got all kinds of people uh, that have experienced the power of Pentecost, the power of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The sealing of the saints, if you will, because Ephesians 1 says, after that you believed. After that you believed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, literally the down payment of your inheritance. Now let me tell you, if the Holy Spirit is the earnest or the down payment of your inheritance, then I'm going to tell you the ultimate redemption of the purchased possession has got to be incredible, because if the down payment has been this good, that's God's way of saying, you ain't seen nothing yet as to what I'm about to do because I'm standing now with an invitation to the church saying to them, come up hither. When I, when I, when I literally, uh, when I think about uh, the, the fourth chapter of Revelation, it says, after this I look at was open in heaven, the first which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. I, I don't think that that's a geographical relocation. I believe that's a high call of God to these churches who are walking. See, in chapter 1, the church is in the midst, Jesus is in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now let me say to you that the seven golden candlesticks are in the second dimension of the tabernacle of Moses. They are in that middle dimension. They are in the, if you will, the Pentecostal dimension. They are in the 60-fold realm, if I could put it like that. They are in the second feast. Outer court was blood-bought water baptized, second dimension, spirit filled, worship, praise, revelation of the Word, gifts of the Spirit flow, second dimension. That's the second step. But I'm telling you there's another dimension in God because God lives in a three-room house and what He's saying to these seven churches is if you repent, which is the Greek word metanoia, if you will change the way you think, then I'm going to give you hidden manna. Can I tell you that hidden manna was in the third dimension of the tabernacle of Moses called the most holy place. It was in the mercy seat under the lid of that golden ark called the mercy seat. He says, if you overcome, I will give you uh, the tree of life. I believe that represented in the rod of Aaron that budded in the most holy place. I believe the rod of Aaron that budded speaks of the tree of life. I, he says to him that overcomes, I will give him to sit with me in my throne. I believe that that throne speaks of a place of rulership and dominion and exercising kingdom authority in the earth. And I believe that's what's pictured in chapter 4 when he says, After this I looked and behold a door was opened into the heavens and there was a voice like a trumpet saying, Come up higher. I, can I tell you 
I feel the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you, God is sounding a trumpet right now through this camera lens to somebody, and He's saying to you, I've been telling you there's another dimension. You've asked me and you've prayed, God, there's got to be more. You've prayed and said, Lord, I feel like I've come to the end of something, and God has certainly allowed you to tune in this morning to hear a word that says, come up hither. Come up higher because there's a high call of God in Christ Jesus because there's another dimension called the most holy place that is a realm beyond Pentecost. Just like in the Old Testament there was a feast of Passover, that's first dimension. Then there was a feast of Pentecost, second dimension. And then there was a feast of Tabernacles. And most people think the feast of Tabernacles is for when you get to heaven someday. But the truth of it is all three of those feasts were to be experienced in the life of the believer right now. And I believe the third feast is the Feast of Fullness. It's the place where you walk beyond the veil and you begin to see a blood-sprinkled mercy seat and you hear a voice. Later in the book of Revelation he said, and I heard a voice, a great voice out of the temple, Greek word naos, most holy place. I heard that, that, that word describes the most holy place. And he, the, the, the message and the voice that he heard out of that dimension was it is done. It is finished. It is done. And when the message of the finished work, hallelujah, is resounded from that dimension, the Bible said it caused an earthquake to quake so much that it caused Babylon to divide into three parts of the great city that religious confusion broke down. Can I tell you that I believe the Holy Ghost is saying today, the message of the finished work of Jesus Christ is going to shake this religious system. The message of grace is literally sweeping around the world, and the message of the finished work of Jesus Christ, and a revelation of His mercy seat, a revelation of the blood of sprinkling, a revelation of this most holy place. See, I believe what's happening is the church is hearing the message that says, come up hither, and they are beginning to move beyond the candlestick into this most holy place where they're beginning to embrace the message of the finished work. And that, I believe, is what he's saying to these churches in Revelation when he says to them, repent, metanoia, change the way you think, because the moment you do, everything he promises the overcomer pretty much in the book of Revelation in these first three chapters is something that's behind door number three, or if I could say it like this, it's something that's in the most holy place. And to me, that's not a riddle or an enigma or a shadow. That's coming to a place of really understanding what Jesus did in His finished work. One of the, I think one of the most powerful things that I can picture to you, and I'm really trying to get over here and teach on this one church, that, but we're, we're going we're to need this whole segment just again to kind of settle some of these issues. But, uh, you know, I believe that, that, that one of the things that powerfully picture to me the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant, is when Mary walks down to the tomb of Jesus Christ after His resurrection. The Bible said she was in a garden place, and much could be said about that, but I don't want to chase rabbits here. The stone was rolled away, which to me speaks of the law. The stone of the law has been rolled away. Not so that dead, stinking flesh can get loose and have a heyday, but so the power of resurrection can be released. And when Mary looked down into the tomb, the Bible said she saw an angel standing at the head, and she saw an angel standing at the foot of where Jesus had lain. Now, I don't know if you know that or not, but if you see this picture, an angel at the head, an angel at the foot, what she was seeing was she was seeing the real mercy seat 
and the real Ark of the Covenant of which the one Moses made was only a type and a shadow. Because what laid between these two angels as they stood at the head and one stood at the foot, what laid between these angels is what's called, hallelujah, our propitiation. Well, the word propitiation literally means mercy seat. Wow. Mary just found the real Ark of the Covenant. She just found the real mercy seat. She just found the real deal of what Moses' uh, tabernacle was only a shadow of. She just found the thing that was standing in the light that was casting a shadow back to the Old Testament. This was the substance. This was the reality. This was the finished work. Man, when I think about that, Psalm 91 takes on a whole new meaning. It says, you can trust what is up underneath of His wings. He that dwells, watch this, in the secret place. What's the secret place? It's the most holy place. It's what's behind the veil. It's in the secret place of the Most High. The word Most High God, or that terminology El Elyon, that name of God is only ever used to describe the third dimension, the most holy place, the Melchizedek priesthood. Uh, Melchizedek was priest of the Most High. Jesus was the Son of the Most High God. Uh, in the, in the, the third dimension was the secret place of the Most High God. In Daniel, the saints of the Most High are who take the kingdom. I'm telling you that there's some people on the scene today that are getting a revelation that what behind door number three is not some spooky, mystical riddle. It's a revelation of the finished work of Jesus Christ and what He accomplished in His death, burial, and resurrection. I'm telling you, that's what's in the third dimension. And that's what He's trying to bring this church to, these churches in Revelation. He's trying to bring them into a full, complete revelation of what Jesus accomplished. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not bugs as big as Volkswagen, not scud missiles, not, not political events per se in our time slot. This is a revelation of a church that is moving from an outer court to a holy place. They're in the second dimension in chapter 1 where they're standing in the candlestick. They're in the feast, if I could say it like this, of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit is saying to all seven of these churches, repent. Change the way you think. And if you shift your thinking, it'll give you access to hidden manna. It'll give you access to the mercy seat to the throne of God. It'll give you access to, uh, you know, uh, all of these, every, everything He promises here is something. Uh, when He says to the church even here at Smyrna, I'll give you a crown of life. The crown of life was the border that ran around the edges of the mercy seat in the tabernacle of Moses. And, and so I, we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we get into this chapter. But I'm simply trying to show you that God is giving the church a high calling. He's saying, it's time to move beyond the Feast of Pentecost into another dimension. It's time to hear a voice from heaven. And I believe there's a resounding trumpet sounding. I believe that God is joining many ministries as we've listened and we've seen this thing grow and the momentum begin to gather is that the Lord is slowly but surely taking the church through another growth spurt. You know, as I've watched even in my 50-some years of of being alive in my, you know, 30, 37, 38 years of full-time mobile ministry. I, I can show you how God has restored a lot of stuff back to the church just in my lifetime. I remember when God was restoring to us, for instance, I believe that with 
with all that God did in the uh, you know, in the 70s and 80s with uh, the Word movement. I believe that's all part of the table of showbread, the revelation of the Word, and, and all of those wonderful stuff. But I remember also, you know, when the gifts of the Spirit became on the scene and the, the prophetic was restored and God began to restore back to the church the oil of anointing. And we started seeing the move of God. And it not only, listen, it didn't just touch Pentecostal churches. It reached across the aisles. It touched Catholics. It touched Presbyterians. It touched Methodists. It touched Baptists. It touched people across the board. And it's still, still affecting people because people see are moving uh, at different levels. I would say it like this. If you were part of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and you're on the front of the line and you're the first ones and there's three to six million people behind you coming out of Egypt, you might come to the, to the Red Sea and experience the water of baptism, if I could say it like this, long before the people behind you do. But just as surely as you experience that water of baptism, somewhere down the line there's a people coming that's going to experience that. When you crossed the Red Sea, you came to Mount Sinai exactly 50 days after Passover, the lamb was slain in Egypt, that's Passover, 50 days exactly later they're at the foot of Mount Sinai and it's at Mount Sinai that's 50 days is the Feast of Pentecost. And so you're experiencing the cloud of glory while there's still people experiencing maybe water baptism. What I'm simply saying is people move and there's a move that, of God that just comes. Some are at the front of the line, some are at the middle of the line, some are at the end of the line. But people are experiencing God on different levels. So if you see revival breaking someplace or God moving someplace and it don't float your boat, don't fight it. You enjoyed it one day. Let those people have the same experience you had and just let God do what He does among His people. But just as surely as we've seen all of those things come to pass, God is restored to us in my generation all of that. He restored, I've seen men, God began to pour out His Spirit on Catholics and they begin to speak in tongues and, and, and the gifts of the Spirit begin to move. I remember when it was a big deal, when we began to sing worship songs and praise and worship, the golden altar of incense was restored, if I could say it like that. Prayer, praise, and worship began to be a great emphasis, and, and the incense offering, and God's praise and worship. And now, now in every church, clear down again to the Catholics and the Methodists and the Baptists, there are people that are singing now with screens and guitars and musical instruments, and worship came back to the church. I remember when there was church splits over whether or not we should sing from the hymnal or we should sing from the projector. But just as surely as many fought it, they are now doing it. God moved in another dimension. And I believe we've seen people move from that and, and, and they're coming on. But see, once again, we're living in an hour when God is bringing on the scene people and even those who've been on the scene that are progressive are beginning to say, look, folks, there's another dimension in God. And right now, over the airways, the message of grace, the message of the mercy seat, the message that it is finished, it is done, is now a message that is absolutely opening a third dimension and people are beginning to step into a most holy place experience and they're hearing a voice from heaven saying, it is finished, it is done. And sure as the world, Revelation said, when that great voice came from the throne declaring it is finished, it shook every religious thing. Babylon the Great was shaken uh, and it was shaken to the core and it was a great earthquake. I believe God is sending a whole lot of shaking and it's not coming because of world events or political happenings. It's coming because God is releasing a word from the third dimension and He's saying to the church, come up hither, come up to another dimension. God's calling you to that today. 
We're about to run out of time. Thank you for tuning in. Take a moment to call the number on the screen. So into the ministry to help us, able us to keep the gospel of grace going literally around the world. You can give via the credit card if you want to. You can call the number on the screen. You can go to our website. You can order any of our products and, uh, and you, at our website. Or if you need prayer, just call the number on the on the screen. Somebody's standing by. Thank you for joining us. Tell your friends about us today and tune in again as we continue to unfold the Word of God. This series is about living life in the context of sonship. Jesus is recognized as a son in the River Jordan by his Father. Flowing from his identity as a son, Jesus comes up out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit with incredible demonstrations of the miraculous. He introduces to his followers the new covenant idea that God is more than just an austere judge. He is our Father. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Let us awaken to our true identity and set creation free.